Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. We invite your attention to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. We are in chapter 11 and we will begin at verse 17. 1 Corinthians 11 beginning at verse 17. Every time we come together in this place, our intention is to help everyone who is present. We want to be here for the better not for the worse. We believe we have in this book exactly and perfectly the help we need from the Creator to be better people. So sermons and classes here at Laurel Heights are based on God's Word. This year, on selected Sunday mornings, we are on a journey through 1 Corinthians and today... We arrive at 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For... In the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord... We are disciplined so that we may not be condemned 
along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Well, it has been happening since the beginning. God gives man something to do that has within it great spiritual value and eternal purpose. God says, do this for your good, your spiritual health, and you will be blessed. Then what happens? Many times men take what God said to do and either ignore it or change it and therefore they fail to receive the divinely intended blessing of it. And that's what happened in the church at Corinth. God gave this memorial, the Lord's Supper. We read about the institution of this memorial earlier when Jason read for us. It was put in place by Christ according to that passage he read and instructions were delivered through the apostles. Christians were told by Christ very clearly and simply, this do in remembrance of me. But in the minds and the hands of men, it became something very different from what God intended. Paul is writing this rebuke to correct their shameful abuse of the Lord's Supper. And over the next few minutes, I'd like to highlight for us what emerges from this text. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. First of all, when we come together, it should always be for the better and not for the worse. When you come here, as you have today, for the Lord's Day Assembly, when you come back tonight at 5, when you come for Bible study Wednesday night, you want to be bettered every time you come to this place. I want these assemblies to help me be the kind of person God called me to be. You want to leave this place having been fed God's Word, having praised God and joining with others of like faith. It is not just checking an event off of your calendar. It is worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It is hearing His Word and putting our mind there on what the Word says, examining ourselves. It is singing praise to Him. It is praying and giving to the work of the Lord and remembering who Jesus is and what He did for us and then taking all of that with us out of the building into life. Churches all across the country have turned assemblies into everything else 
but what the Bible says assemblies ought to be. Social and big entertainment events. Food and drink. Did you hear Paul say, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home? And let me use this phrase, spiritual betterment. Spiritual betterment. We come here with intention to be spiritually better as a result of what we do here that God said we ought to do that will be of spiritual value. Corinth was a mess in so many ways. We've read and studied about that earlier before we came to chapter 11. But Paul says here regarding their assembly and their misuse of the Lord's Supper, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. The elders of this church do not promise that everything people want, we will provide in these assemblies at this place. What we promise is, Everything you need as directed by God in His Word, we will do our best to provide. So that when you leave this place, you are informed from God in His Word. You are motivated to do it and you are equipped to be a better person in your relationship with God inside and out. In the Philippine Islands, where I preached for a month in 1981. I've mentioned this to many of you before. Their practice is to mount a sign on the entrance of the meeting place and the signs contain something they have discovered in Scripture. And I saw more than once when I would enter those bamboo hut meeting places, this phrase, for the better but not for the worse. Secondly, when men change what God has given, it's no longer what God intended. Listen to verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. No matter what they called it, how they built it, what they told people about it, when they changed it, it was no longer the Lord's Supper. See, when men take something God has given and put their hands on it and change it to suit themselves, it is no longer what God intended. For instance, we observed a few weeks ago in another sermon, God has said what He wants local churches to do. It's not up to us to take everything we like out in the world and pack that in to the work of the local church. When God said what He wanted local churches to do, that's what's authorized and that's the limit of what we do. When men change that, it's no longer the Lord's work. It's the work of the men who changed it. People in the church at Corinth knew what the Lord wanted in their worship, but Paul said that's not what they were doing. It was ruined by conflict. It became a time to consume, 
and to indulge according to your economic standard. I believe they knew what God expected. I believe the apostles delivered what Jesus said they were to deliver about the Lord's Supper. They knew what God expected. They just didn't take it seriously. May it never be said of us. Because if it's said of us, here's the word in verse 27. Guilty. Guilty. We need to be steadfast here at Laurel Heights. As a local church and every individual to do exactly what the New Testament says constitutes the Lord's Supper because it's His, not ours. We need to be concerned that we reflect individually on Christ's sacrifice. I'll have more to say about that in a minute. That we personally concentrate on what He suffered and why He died and where He is now and what it all means to me. If we change it, it will no longer have those great benefits. I tell you, I like biscuits and gravy. I'm a fan of Dr. Pepper. And I like to eat and socialize with people, but if I bring all of that here, it will not be the Lord's Supper anymore, and it shall not have the benefit that God attached to what He said He wanted His people to do. If we change it, it's no longer the Lord's. I read this the other day and thought it was well stated. When the church feels it must become like the world to win the world, it, is not, it has not won the world, the world has won it. Stay true to God. Read, study, and follow your Bible about the Lord's Supper and everything else God has given for our spiritual and eternal good. Because when we change it, it no longer brings the blessing God attached to it. The Lord's Supper is not observed to satisfy hunger. Paul, I, I don't know how he could have been clearer. When he said, take care of that at home. You just wonder, how could the members of the church at Corinth have messed this up so badly? Well, perhaps the answer is given back earlier in the letter. Turn with me back to chapter 3 and find verse 1. And that may answer a lot about the mess they had made in Corinth. In chapter 3 and verse 1, this may be the answer. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh as infants in Christ. Some of you have the King James, and you will see the word there, carnal. It is not just a coincidence that the word carnal has another form that is modern, carnival, carnivore, carnal, pertaining to the flesh, not spiritually focused, but fleshly focused. The word is carnal in the King James. You have the 
the New International Version, people who are still worldly. Still living in the world and focused on and framed by everything that the world has to offer. If you are carnal, that means the physical is where you're centered. Let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Well, eating is certainly legitimate. I suspect most of you will do some of that for the end of the day. We must feed the body. But we can't get that mixed up with worship. The Lord's Supper is not about consuming food for the body. It's about remembering who gave His body for us to get out of sin and into fellowship with God and have our names written in heaven. Jesus said, This do in remembrance of me. Some of the religious rituals crafted by men are accompanied by page after page after page of instruction. And so to discover what you do in these religious rituals manufactured by men, you have to study and read all these pages and these deep theological works. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Wouldn't take up two inches on a page. But it ought to take up all of our hearts when we come here on the Lord's day. This do in remembrance of me. Now, I want you to notice how specific this is. This is not a general recall or a memory of everything in the Bible. This is very specific. In remembrance of me. You don't have to put Paul in that or Jacob or Moses. You don't have to put Old Testament narratives in that. It is very specific. In remembrance of me. I want to explore this with you very carefully. There may be in our minds when we take the Lord's Supper something automatic that occurs. A mental picture of Jesus on a cross, on a hill, with witnesses nearby. It is a dark day. And maybe that has been framed in our minds by pictures we've seen. In the old Bibles, they used to put those pictures there. Maybe in someone's house. You see those pictures. That's sort of an automatic thing that many of us may do. Just a mental picture of a man on a cross on a hill, witnesses nearby, very dark. And we just put that visual in our heads. But here's where we need to go. What was that all about? It was more than just a piece of wood and a man and a hill and witnesses. What was that all about? Who was that man on the cross and why was he there and what does all that mean to me? And that leads me to this. Let a person examine himself. Here's where we take this passage 
personal, individual. What does the death of Christ mean to me? I can picture the scene. I can maybe even play it out in sort of a video framework. But what does the death of Christ mean to me? I've been baptized into Christ, but now today in my life, in what I think and what I do and how I respond to people and events, what does the death of Christ mean to me in my mind and my life right now? And how am I going to take that with me out of the building into life? And the follow-up question is, does the death of Christ need to mean more to me now than it did yesterday? I must never use this act of worship to examine others, but rather examine myself. My relationship with God made possible by the suffering and death of Christ. Now here's where I want to take this. In most local churches of Christ where this instruction is followed each first day of the week, the time involved is generally less than 15 minutes. Larger groups, it may be 20, but it's generally less than 15 minutes. Now certainly during the time that we are partaking, our minds need to be focused on what? Christ did to redeem us from sin, to redeem me from sin, you from sin. But I want to suggest that focused memory on the first day of the week ought to impact us throughout the week. Think of that, please. That focused memory on the first day of the week ought to impact us throughout the week. I want to leave you with this. When you are tempted, remember what you remembered. When tempted to become a slave to money and things, to define yourself by what you have, to let covetousness, which is idolatry, move you away from God and the hope of the gospel. Remember what you remembered and who you communed with the previous Lord's Day. When tempted to reason from situations to justify disobedience, to let your commitment to the Lord slip into indifference, to neglect worship, Neglect your family. Remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's day. When work and career obligations increase and the pressure is on you to neglect your Lord and your family, to become absorbed in advancement, to get caught up in the social aspects of your job... Remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's day. When disagreement and conflict wears against your goodwill and leads you toward anger, remember what you remembered and who you communed with on the Lord's day.
When I feel the pull of secular decadence and I'm beginning to love the world and the things in the world, I need to remember what I remembered on the Lord's day and who I communed with. How thankful we should be that we live in the company of the committed and in unity we can commune with Christ to refresh our reverence and review the cost of our salvation. But it cannot be just a 15-minute ritual. Before and after, we must determine to live lives consistent with our communion. God wants our hearts not just 15 minutes of quiet once a week. So the observance of the Lord's Supper and our faithful engagement in this memorial ought to be a part of what keeps us faithful all week long and all of our lives from baptism until death. Think of that. I need to examine myself. You need to examine yourself. And now is a good time to do that examination as we stand together to sing.